again the Lord spoke to Ahaz. He was a, a king of Israel. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Here now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and on your people, on the house of your father, a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He'll bring the king of Assyria. And now we're going to read from Matthew chapter 1. From Matthew chapter 1, it's on your sheets, verses 18 to 25. But it says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. I'm going to pray and then we'll have a look at our passage this morning. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that as we come to your words, as we think about the right response to Christmas, you would be showing us what you want us to be like this morning. Father, help us to see uh, in the story of Jesus' birth uh, the news that Joseph received and how that should affect us. Amen. Great. Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I mean, the day has finally arrived. It's been on the calendar for so long. And it feels like the Christmas events have just been around forever, don't they? Perhaps... That's just me, but I am getting some nods over here. So Christmas, how are you feeling? I mean, when you think about Christmas, how do you feel? How do you respond to another Christmas? Now, I know there are people in this room who love Christmas. Uh, The decorations, they've been up for months. Uh, The Christmas music has been playing ever since the temperature dropped. They have some kind of energy, don't they, Uh, that's somehow dedicated just to Christmas. I mean, perhaps it's something in the mince pies, perhaps the Brussels sprouts. For others, I know that Christmas is a stressful time. Uh, The family coming to visit, uh, cooking for the masses, preparing for the children to play up at some point during the day. I mean, there's always one family member, isn't there, who has the black bin liner going from the moment the presents get mentioned But perhaps for many of us in this room, Christmas feels a bit repetitive. 
I mean, it's the same story. It's the same general movements to the day. See, this morning, in the midst of all of that, I want us just to take a moment to think about how the Bible, how God, in particularly in the Gospel of Matthew, wants us to respond to Christmas. See, the whole book of Matthew, we have copies of the whole book, you can take them for free at the back if you like. The whole book of Matthew is all about response to Jesus, all about how a disciple, a follower of Jesus should respond to the news that Matthew is sharing. And this morning, we're going to see that laid out for us in the character of Joseph. See, our response to Christmas, our response to Jesus, should be that of Joseph. Of Joseph, who trusts and obeys what he is told. Now, when I say Joseph... I mean, Joseph doesn't really get much of a part in the standard Christmas story, does he? I mean, he gets upstaged by Mary, then he gets upstaged by the baby. I mean, that's the reality for husbands and dads, isn't it? He doesn't get any uh, Christmas songs written about him. Compared to Mary and the angels, I don't remember, you can correct me, I don't remember anyone getting excited about being Joseph in the school nativity. I mean, Joshua played a great Joseph last week. And let me tell you, Joseph certainly doesn't get to ride any donkeys, does he? Yet in Matthew chapter 1, Joseph is centre stage. The whole story of Matthew 1, 18 to 25, revolves around Joseph. I mean, that's something that really surprised me as I came to work on this passage this Christmas. So let's take a look at Joseph, shall we? See, Joseph's story, it starts just a couple of verses before our reading this morning. Uh, Back in verse 16, you can look this up later, we're told that Jacob was the father of Joseph, Joseph was the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. The big point, as we saw with Sam there a couple of weeks ago, the big point of that list of names was that God is keeping his promises through this family. And this family includes Joseph. Now, God's plan has stretched back through millennia, and it is landing right here with this guy, Joseph, in his marriage to Mary. I mean, if you were to take the classic Christmas story, that's what you expect, isn't it? Joseph and Mary, baby in the manger, happily ever after, the end. But just have a look down at verse 18. Verse 18, little number 18, takes that story and zooms into the detail. Mary and Joseph were pledged to be married. Uh, That is a stronger stronger connection than being engaged today. To be pledged to be married is a lot more like marriage than it is being engaged. For starters, you would have to get divorced from your pledge to be married. You are publicly connected together. Being pledged to be married is a big deal. But in the midst of all of this, Mary is found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. I mean, just think what that would look like to the outside world for a moment. It would look like dodgy dealings between Mary and Joseph, wouldn't it? It would look like Mary and Joseph couldn't wait to the wedding day. I mean, that's going to have social bearing on Joseph. The tongues would be wagging, the grapevine would be in full swing. I mean, in those days, even more than ours, this would be scandalous. It would bring shame. It would bring dishonor on the entire family. So what does Joseph do? Well, we're told a second detail of Joseph, verse 19. 
because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her, that's Mary, to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. You see, Joseph here is described as faithful to the law. Or you might say Joseph is righteous. Joseph fits a long line of Bible characters who have that word, that word righteous, attached to them. Being righteous in Matthew's gospel is someone who hears what God says and they put it into action. A righteous person is someone who's in the right with God. Their relationship with God is on the right path. Joseph knows what God has said and so he lives God's way. And in this case, what does that mean? Well, it means calling this wedding off. And your heart breaks for Joseph, doesn't it, when you think about it? But also because Joseph is that way, he cares for Mary. He plans to divorce her quietly. That way it won't bring the public shame on her. It's going to keep the social consequences of what's going on to a minimum. I mean, just think what Joseph could do. Uh, He could go for the big showy divorce proceedings. He could call Mary's character into question. He could prove without a doubt that this pregnancy has nothing to do with him. He could clear his name, continue his life. But Joseph is a righteous man. And that means he is kind, that he is compassionate to Mary here. So there you go, there's the drama. There is the scandal in the story. I mean, like we probably would, what does Joseph do? Well, he he goes to bed, ready to sort it all out in the morning. Now, we're going to have a look at what happens during the sleep in a moment. But just have a look at the other side of this night for a moment. Have a look at verse 24. We're told that Joseph does what the angel commands him to. Now, children, we looked at what this was last week, didn't we? There's two things Joseph had to do. Anyone remember? Oh, Lethe? Marry Mary and... Name the baby Jesus. Brilliant. That is what he does. Do you notice there's no real change in Joseph here? Do you see that? Joseph is still faithful to the law. He's still righteous. He still listens to God and does what God tells him to. What he does is he hears what God says and he puts it into action. Just clock what that means, though, for a moment. It's not that the social situation has changed. In fact, Joseph will now be tied to Mary who everyone is going to notice is having a baby a lot earlier than she should be. The natural assumption is going to be that Joseph was involved with that. There is going to be scandal that's going to come with this. I mean, later in Matthew's Gospel, if you look at chapter 13, you'll see the people of Jesus' day, they flung that accusation at him. There are consequences. Consequences to Joseph's righteousness here. There are consequences to living God's way. But because God has said it, Joseph does it. It's a simple faith put into action, isn't it? It's a clear belief leading to doing. Joseph trusts and obeys. I mean, that is the response. That is the right response that Matthew is calling for this Christmas time. A response of hearing what God is doing in the Lord Jesus and putting it into action. Believing the message of Christmas and trusting it. And then living it, doing it, obeying it. See, Joseph, in many ways, he's presented as an average Joe. As you go through Matthew's gospel, his actions are the very same actions that will be repeated again and again in Matthew's gospel. 
Exactly the same actions that Jesus calls all Christians to in the very last words of this gospel here. And the whole passage, it hinges on that. The whole passage hinges on Joseph doing the right thing, being righteous, being faithful to the law, knowing that he ought to live God's way. But as I said, that's not easy. It leads to social repercussions. It leads to snide remarks. It leads to social shunning. It leads to the awkwardness of having to explain what really happened. And I'm sure people then having a smirk and going, you're right, Joseph. See, this decision to do what God said is not an easy thing for Joseph. But it was the right thing. Joseph is aligning himself with the big thing that God is doing in Jesus. The big new thing. And if you're aligning with God, let me tell you this morning, that means you're on the right side each and every time. I mean, that speaks directly to us, doesn't it? Responding to Christmas, responding to Jesus might lead to the same things for us right now, today. Do you really believe that? I mean, how outdated. God can't mean that today. I mean, he must have moved on since then. We have. Taking a stand, following God this Christmas time and the rest of the year ahead, it's what believers have done throughout history. It's what Joseph does here in Matthew. It's what we're called to do this Christmas. But what is the big thing then? What is the big thing that God is doing? I mean, I've said that phrase a lot. What is it? To get that, we need to zoom into the content of the angel's message. And we'll see there are two names given for this baby. We'll look at both of them in turn. Firstly, verses 20 to 21. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. See, in calling Joseph there the son of David, we're tapping back into that long history of God's dealings with his people. The promise of a king from David's line has been in jeopardy. The people, they'd been exiled for their sin. They've been brought back into a land ruled by other people. Their sin, their rejection of God as their ruler, has led to a dire situation for the people of God. But God is doing a big new thing here. And that big new thing is found in the name that is given to this baby. You are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. I mean, the story of God's people has been a story of ups and downs. If you were to join us this year as we read this, the Bible reading, you will notice it's mainly downs. You're going to read stories of failure throughout. I mean, I'm selling this to you now, aren't I? You're going to read stories of failure throughout this. The fact, where we finish the Old Testament, the people are gone. But as we read through this this year, we're going to see God's faithfulness throughout all of that stuff. But up to this point, since page three of the Bible, there have been promises of a solution, promises of salvation, promises of sin being dealt with. And we have that right here in this baby's name. We have this solution. Joseph is to call this baby Jesus. Jesus that means the Lord 
saves. God is going to save his people through this baby. I mean, that is huge if you really understand what's going on. Yet there's even more here. I mean, Matthew connects two dots here that uh, we might miss if we skim over them too quickly. Call him, Jesus, the Lord saves, because he will save his people from their sins. Is it that God will save? Or is it that Jesus will save? I used to have a teacher who'd always have a cheeky look in his face at this point. And I think Matthew has that cheeky look in his face as well. And he says, yes. Is it that God will save or is it that Jesus will save? Yes, says Matthew. In this baby, God is at work. Through Jesus, God will be saving his people. We'll see some more how that's going to work as we carry on through Matthew. But remember, we're thinking about responding like Joseph. Responding in trust and obedience. So how do we do that with this? Well, responding to this truth means finding our hope. Our hope in Jesus alone. For every believer to see this baby, to see in this baby the solution to our biggest problem. To see in Jesus the problem of sin, the problem of humanity restored. We're called to place our full an undivided trust in this baby. That is the trust aspect here. How about the obedience? Well, trust leads to action. You can't have one without the other. The action is going to lead us to not finding salvation anywhere else. We tell you this morning, there is no salvation in our acts of charity. There is no salvation, no way of saving ourselves by trying to prove ourselves good or right. Instead, the message of Christmas is to throw our lot in with God's salvation plan. If you want a whole storyline of people trying to save themselves, just read it through the Bible with us next year. And that's going to mean we share that news with others. So if we truly trust something, we're going to speak about it. Matthew 1, 2, 3, 4 says, The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You've heard us say that many times here. I mean, the story of the Bible, the story that Matthew has recounted for us really quickly at the start of his gospel, shows us where sin leads. It leads to exile from God. It leads to separation from God. It leads to death. But in this baby, we are called to trust that God has dealt with our sin through him. So we're called to trust that God's opinion, that we are forgiven, is the only one that matters. We're called to celebrate that we can have true forgiveness through him. We're to live in that, to celebrate that fact, whatever the world around us is saying. Or you could say, we're to trust and obey, for there's no other way. Trust and obey like Joseph. But that's not all, is it? We're given a second name in Matthew 1, verse 23. Just have a look at those verses with me. Matthew says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. And here's the Hebrew lesson for you. The Hebrew Emmanuel means God with us. 
Matthew sticks a comment in here. Uh, He tells us what was happening 2,000 years ago has more significance than we might think. And he does that by quoting Isaiah chapter 7. I mean, we had it read earlier, probably a longer bit than you're used to hearing at Christmas. See, in Isaiah chapter 7, the king, a guy named Ahaz, is worried. He's worried because an army is coming to destroy his kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. But God makes a promise of a baby that means that God is with his people. Now, people here know that I could spend a lot of time talking about Isaiah. In fact, I have in the past. I'm not doing that this morning because there's turkey in the oven and everything else. There's a lot that could be said here, but the big point is that when Matthew says this fulfills that, he is saying that what happened right here in Matthew 1 is the completion of that. Just notice one little thing here. Matthew says all, all of this took place. He is saying that all of this story of Matthew chapter 1 completes that. What Matthew is doing here in his gospel is he's saying this, what is going on right now with Jesus and the baby and Joseph, is like what happened in Isaiah chapter 7, but far better, far bigger. This is where all of that was pointing. This is God's big thing. Just like the sign of Isaiah's day that God was with his people, guaranteeing that God would do everything he's promised, even more now, says Matthew. In this baby is, is God with his people. Do you remember? Is he the Lord? Is he Jesus? Yes. All the promises of God dwelling with, being with, coming to his people again are found in this baby. This baby shows that God keeps his promises. The sin of people is going to be dealt with and God will be with his people again. So let's ask our controlling question once more, shall we? What does it look like to respond like Joseph in trust and obedience to this? Let's start with the trust. I think it's really easy to believe that God isn't with us. Is that fair? I mean, particularly when we go through trial and difficulty. It's really easy, isn't it, when hard things happen, to believe that God has turned his back, that God hasn't seen what is really going on. I mean, if that's what we think, it's going to affect what we do. I mean, we'll try and make the best of the situation. I mean, if God's not going to do anything, well, I will do something. We take control and we cut God out. But this message... Christmas, Matthew chapter 1, reminds us of this big truth. It reminds us that God is with us in every situation, at all times, whether we think it or not. And if we believe and trust that, that will change what we do. That will change how we respond. It means we won't worry what the world thinks about us. It means we can hold tightly onto what God has said, just like Joseph does here. The social consequences of trusting God won't matter. We can go through the darkest valley unafraid because we know God is with us. You see, this baby born 2,000 years ago, that's historical, that is verifiable, proves once and for all that God is with us. If you ever think, if you ever think at the end of 2022, beginning of 2023, that God has left you, if you ever think that God is not with you, take another look at that baby in the manger. 
Take another look at Jesus. That is a promise you can take to the bank this morning, if the banks are open. I wrote that before. (laughs) But you see, we can trust and obey, just like Joseph here. So how should we respond to Christmas this morning? How should we respond to hearing this? Well, it becomes quite clear, doesn't it, that we're in a similar position to Joseph. We've just been told amazing news like him, and we have a choice of what we're going to do with it. Are we going to trust that Jesus has come to save his people from their sins? Are we going to live in light of that? Are we going to trust that Jesus, that God, is with us? Is that going to change our action? That's what Matthew wants. Matthew wants us to be like Joseph. I mean, next time you're in a nativity and you've given a part of Joseph, you can rejoice and celebrate. He wants us to be like Joseph, to be righteous, to be trusting and obeying God's words, being faithful to what God has said. I mean, that is the call, as I've said, throughout Matthew's gospel. Go read it for yourself. If you want a copy, free at the back, no strings attached. Right on that table there, just take one. And join us this year as well, 2023. We're going to carry on through Matthew. Next Sunday, Matthew 3. Sunday after that, Matthew 4. Sunday after that, Matthew 5. We're going to see this again and again and again. And that is exactly the same call as what Matthew says at the end of his gospel. I know you haven't got it on your sheets, but I know that most of you will know it. Let me read it. You might have heard it before. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus finishes this gospel saying, Therefore go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Do you see there, Matthew starts, trust and obey, God is with us. Matthew finishes, trust and obey, God is with us. Remember, Jesus is with you to the very end of the age. Matthew's story finishes just as it started. That's my time up. So this Christmas, 25th of December, 2022, how are you going to respond to the Christmas message this morning? Are you going to believe and act? Are you going to trust and obey? I'll leave that with you. I'm going to pray to God for help with that now. Let me pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great example of Joseph. Father, we thank you for him who you had prepared to be the father to the Lord Jesus, to be the husband to Mary, to be an example of righteousness, of trusting you and obeying you. Father, we pray for your help this morning with all the busyness and everything else going on to really think and dwell on what Matthew is saying through this gospel. Father, would we be those who trust and obey you? Father, we pray that you'd help all of us here in this room to really think that over this Christmas time. And Father, we pray as well for your blessing on the rest of our days today. Would we have a great time with friends and family and everything else we're doing, we pray. Amen. Amen.